As noted earlier, it is a great blessing, isn't it, to come together on this first day of the week to appreciate that this is that day that our Savior arose. When the women came to the tomb on that Sunday morning, they found it empty. And thus, on that day, and certainly for those particular Sundays, since the days of Acts chapter 2, we've been blessed, brothers and sisters in Christ, to assemble and to meet. Let me echo what was mentioned earlier, as Roger mentioned, Happy Mother's Day to each of the mothers present. I know that it's a very blessed and happy day in so many ways. And in fact, our lesson today will center around some of the things the Bible has to say about mothers. I realize that as we reflect upon that, gentlemen, may I say that we aren't left out of this in the following sense. Many of the ideas that the Bible would encourage and insert about the nature of mothers, there are principles in that that could be a great lesson, that can be a great aspect of precept for you and for me as well. I hope we'll all be encouraged as we open the Word of God today and allow some of the features about that teaching to impact our life. I might take just a moment, if I might, and at least make a statement about tonight's lesson. May I encourage you to come and be a part of our study tonight of 400 silent years. It is the case, you see, that as you and I give thought to the Word of God, oddly and somewhat amazingly, in a, in a period of silent years, it turns out that it will have a great impact on many verses as you and I interpret the New Testament. So come back and be with us tonight as we think about that particular lesson. This introductory slide this morning sets before us, at least at the outset, some of the attributes of the written revelation of God. Wasn't it true that Peter, by inspiration, wrote, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And therefore, as you and I open the sacred text of the Bible, we appreciate that it was not merely the thoughts, not merely the speculation of men, but that the God of heaven through the Holy Spirit enabled those men and superintended them in the writing of inspired Scripture. And thus, as you and I open it and read it and apply its precepts to our life, we time and again can be reminded that we are lifting ourselves above the mundane plane of men and following only that which is the matter from heaven itself. So what does the Bible say about mothers? I suspect your mind has already raised to a few passages in which mothers themselves are mentioned, and you and I will look at some of them to be sure. But there are a few things I might share with you even before we get to them. First of all, on that slide, I've reminded you 328 times in the Bible. 328 times in the span of 1,189 chapters, the word mother or some direct form of it is used. That would surely indicate that it was the will of God that the teaching and the precept concerning mothers would be etched forever on the Word of God and that you and I could always be encouraged by it. I've asked you to notice the first and very close to the last occurrences. It is true that as you and I close that slide, we're going to use the Word of God to encourage us with respect to the behavior of a godly mother. And in so doing, godliness in many ways is encouraged and various aspects of the lesson. Let's look at attribute number one, strength of character. Now you and I are well aware of the fact that character is important. 
It's the way that we are even when nobody's looking. Now, you and I can sometimes put on a show before other people. We can lead them to believe that we are not what we really are. That is to say, we can be a hypocrite. We can show or give a pretense for something that we really are not. But isn't it amazing how that the Word of God would encourage us to be reminded about a godly woman as a mother who manifests a strength of character in ways like this. Gentlemen, let me be quick to say that Peter will remind us in 1 Peter 3, verses 6 and 7, that the female is the weaker vessel. Typically, they don't have the physical strength that a man does. But may I be quick to say, that only allows us as the men to shower upon them the attribute of protection, the attribute of provision, and the attribute to look after their needs. Because as those physically stronger... God has endowed us with the blessing of being able to do that. But I should be quick to say this. That does not mean that women are weak in character. Far from it. Look at some of the attributes on that slide I would invite you to consider. Many examples of the Word of God testify to us the lasting impact of strength and character that a godly woman had. I've invited you to notice in Proverbs 31, the closing chapter of that blessed book of Proverbs, you might recall that there's a lengthy description of the so-called virtuous woman. Now, you and I probably have often reflected upon it, and maybe we've heard it many times. But in that particular chapter, could I point out verses 17 and 25, where descriptions are given about the behavior of this godly woman, the virtuous woman, and the strength that was connected to who she was. May I say, what a blessing that she was to her husband and to her children. And her strength is evident. She didn't compromise on things that the family needed, and she didn't compromise on her connection to the truth. And because of that, she was a bright beacon of strength, and her children could depend on her, and so too could her husband. Today... Shouldn't you and I at least appreciate the beautiful association and the strength of character highlighted in those verses, as well as some additional examples? I chose to list in this instance the mother of Moses. You might recall, or rather I chose to list Zipporah, who of course was closely connected to the episode of Moses. You and I read in Exodus chapter 4 verses 24 and following. You remember the same well. This lady was the wife of Moses. You and I recognize, of course, that she and Moses had children. But something was to be noted. Moses had failed in the light of circumcising his children, his sons. Did you notice what Zipporah did? She stepped beyond the failure of her husband and did exactly what the God of heaven required with respect to those children. Aren't you impressed with what she did? In that ancient era, wherein in many instances one could reflect upon the patriarchal character of the family, here the mother did what the father had failed to do. Doesn't that indicate her strength, her conviction in the matters connected to what ought to be the case? Today, how many of us have been blessed with a godly woman who exhibited a strength of character? 
who would not bend in light of what culture might say and who would not compromise the thing ultimately the Bible testified. But she, in light of her dedication to it, would lead her family in those ways and what a blessing it has been. As you and I close that slide, may I say that there are several things, of course, that will be often upon the mind of a woman motivated with this kind of strength we've described. She will always dress herself modestly. And she will certainly anticipate her daughters will be led in that same kind of behavior. And in the modern world, isn't that a challenge? In which we often see the choices that are made in which there is dress that not only is inappropriate, it's quite often disgusting and quite often terribly, terribly presenting. And yet, the adornment of a godly woman... She will speak in a way that is of preciousness. She will be testified in terms of her own dedication, that kind of life exhibiting a strength, an inner virtue that is irreplaceable. One last thing about that slide, I suppose, would be this. As we've at least begun our consideration of this strength of character, may I say that it leads us to notice a few other things, one of which is this. The concept of care. Care. Now you and I all know that there are things about a woman that are not the same for a man. She can look upon things, and we've all heard about a mother's intuition. Maybe we've experienced it. She knows what I'm doing even if she's not looking at me. She knows me that well. She appreciates the environment that keenly, and she knows the temptations this world faces and offers But through it all, the care that a godly woman manifests and exhibits is truly astounding. Look at some of these thoughts with me, would you? And we'll also look at an example or two along the way. The care for her family. You and I remember well in Titus 2 verse 4 that the inspired apostle directly testified this truth that of course the the, the older women are to teach the younger women something. In fact, several things are listed. And among that list, may I draw to your attention to love their husbands and to love their children. It may well be that that idea is maybe one that causes a bit of perplexion. Why does a woman need to be taught to love her husband? She married him. She had not only an infatuation with him, but a deep-seated, lifelong love for him. But may I say, that there are some practicalities connected to the ongoing matters of life in which an older lady, a seasoned mother and a seasoned wife can teach the younger women about the practicalities of how that love is shown and what's involved in that kind of disposition toward both husband and children. But may I say that kind of love will certainly include care because isn't it true that there are some things contained in that passage which also read like this. That mother will be the keeper at home. There will be many things about the home that she will oversee, that she will guide in the words of 1 Timothy chapter 5. And that kind of duty and responsibility is a blessing in many ways. For the household quite often will be far less than it can be and may well even nearly fall apart without the guiding influence and the precious care of that godly woman who is the mother and wife. 
we're all quite aware, aren't we, about the features of what makes men and women different that way. But surely among those things we can include would be the example of Hannah. As you and I reflect upon 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2, you and I recall that Hannah, of course, was this woman who herself was one who wanted a child. She prayed earnestly that God would bless her. Her womb had been closed up until that point, and yet God with favor looked upon her, and she bore a son. He would come to be called Samuel. You and I will recall that even after he was born, she cared for him. She, in fact, took on an annual basis the particular things such as clothing needed for the well-being of Samuel as he grew up under the tutelage of Eli at the tabernacle. Oh, what conviction we see in her, despite the fact that she had given him to the Lord for the service connected therewith, she nonetheless prized him with that care, always reminding of that kind of special character. Not only might we mention Samuel, as well as his mother Hannah. But surely as you close that slide with me, you and I can well recall some of the ongoing things, such as Philippians 2 verse 4, that remind us about the ongoing blessing of Christian care. How many times has your mother and mine sacrificed her convenience, sacrificed what ultimately maybe would have been far easier for her, simply because you and I wanted it? fixing a special meal, maybe giving up of her time otherwise to be there for us because she cared. Now that kind of thing is a rather great testimony to love, isn't it? Doesn't it remind us in many ways of what the Lord gave up for us? He simply didn't follow convenience. In the closing of that slide, that virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, many elements of that chapter make reference to the idea of care. What about attribute number three? What else might we say? This one was the one that Brother John read from Proverbs 1, verse 8, just a moment ago. Would you reflect with me upon the concept of law as I read again that passage? My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Now, I suspect all of us are well aware of the instruction that might come from dad. But the verse doesn't end there because it goes on to say, And forsake not the law of thy mother. May you and I understand then the fact that, as we noted earlier, as she guides the house, and as she, you see, is the keeper at home, we understand that so many things in the ongoing daily presentation of the home are connected to her understanding of what is best. Law connected with mother. You and I know well that law, of course, is something intended for the well-being of those that subscribe to it, who obey it, who are under the authority of it. But by the same token, we understand what can befall those who break that law. Did mom in your house have a law or a series of laws intended for the well-being of those in that home? I'm sure she did. And even today... In the home, we understand that mom will have laws. It may involve the floors or the counters or various elements of the dishes, but it may involve much more than those physical things. 
It may involve one's behavior, one's dress. It may involve other elements connected to what is perceived as right. May I submit to us, what did the Proverbs writer say? Don't forsake the law of your mother. We mentioned earlier again that there are some in various societies around the world who, due to looking upon the woman as the weaker vessel, may have a tendency to neglect or ignore the law of mother. A wise person will never do it. A wise person will understand that the law of mother should not be forsaken. Now, holding that thought in mind, look at some of the remaining elements. Interestingly enough, that same idea is reiterated verbatim five chapters later. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. One more time, don't forsake the law of your mother. It is with that in mind, may I offer you this thought. Was it Jesus a powerful example of this? Remember, He was the Son of God. He was that one who had existed for all eternity. He merely took upon Himself the clothed form of man. But yet in Luke chapter 2, you and I recall the scene well. By this time, He was age 12. So He was still, of course, rather young, at least in the mind of some considerations. But isn't it true that as Joseph and Mary had taken Him to Jerusalem to, of course, take care of the Passover observance, you might recall that Jesus was inadvertently left behind. Found Him three days later. But you recall in the conversation that followed, Jesus said, Wished ye not that I must be about my Father's business? But then verse 49 makes this remarkable statement. He proceeded with them and was subject to them. Plural pronoun, them. Not just to Joseph. He was subject to Mary. As a dutiful son, he obeyed her. He took care of the connection in his part of that family. And if the Son of God found it needful to be reminded of in this instance, and the Scripture manifests His observance with regard to His mother, what does that say about you and me? We ought to listen pretty carefully. When mom says to us, son, you can do better than that. I raised you to be better than that. We ought to think twice about it. Mom knows a lot. Wisdom and experience. An attribute of strength and character and care. Sometimes those words might come from dad, admittedly. But sometimes in the tenderness of what's resting upon mother's heart. Could I remind you that it was said of Mary... She kept all these things in her heart. The matters concerning Jesus, she kept them in her heart. Today, shouldn't you and I be thankful for a godly mother who with wisdom would strive to set before us the law of what's right? What about attribute number four? What else might we say connected to some things that the Bible would share with us about godly mothers? This fourth point. I chose to list like this. It's probably a, a noun we expected at some point connected to that statement I made earlier. But let's develop it a bit more carefully. You recall in Titus 2, verse number 4, it was therein stated, Love your husbands and love your children. One of the things that certainly is a terrible artifact of the modern day 
as it relates to the breakdown of the family, there are a number of factors, of course, touching that breakdown. Factors that have a part to play in it. A lot of it certainly is fathers. Fathers that aren't at home as they should be. Fathers that aren't directed as they should be. But some of it, of course, is related to the behavior of mothers. Does an idea like this remind us that as a woman, a mother loves her children and her family? We find in the pages of the Word of God, not only a reminder of the blessing that that is, but the impact that it has. Maybe a few examples as I've listed on that slide, could well be one for us to note. You recall Exodus chapter 2. Now really that saga begins in Exodus chapter 1. But there was a time when you see the Egyptian overlords, under the direction of the Pharaoh, had been told that you put all the baby boys of the Israelites to death. They were allowed to let the girls live. But they knew the strength of that nationality would rest ultimately in the behavior of what the sons would become. And yet, you and I remember that Amram and Jochebed fashioned a basket, put it in the water, and rather than kill Moses, they just let him float there. And of course, the Pharaoh's daughter discovered him, found him. And ultimately, he would be the one that the God of heaven would tap to bring my people out of Egypt. And he did. But don't we find in Jochebed that she couldn't put that baby boy to death? It's true that there is to be noted a great element of love, connection, conviction. And might you and I never forget that Moses had an older brother named Aaron. They hadn't put him to death either. But maybe it is in that like, can't we be reminded of the love that mother exhibits and shows that manifestation, maybe on that slide, would look like this. Service. How often did mom do things for you and for me? Again, perhaps leaving behind what she felt was important, but not as important as you and me. Left behind some other things that were needful, but not as needful as what you and I needed at that moment. Sleepless nights, sometimes were the occasion... Sometimes sickness or other things connected, but sometimes merely what you and I had chosen to involve ourselves in. Sporting events, other activities, and due to her love, she was there to support, to encourage, and sometimes to correct when needed. I would say all of that's a reminder and a great element of what the Word of God would suggest about the attribute of love. God is there for us, isn't He? How often was the children of Israel given statements like this? In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from, from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, will heal their land. The children of Israel, you see, even under that consideration, they could turn to the Heavenly Father who would be there for them. Today, may I say, that as you and I close that particular slide, what a special word love has come to be. We understand it well. And it's something that the Word of God, of course, uses on many, many occasions. These four attributes you and I have looked at so far have truly been thought-provoking, but let's close the lesson with one more. 
the emphasis that this person manifests. You and I know that whether it be law or whether it be love or whether it be care, we can easily see in all of these things importances and no doubt the manifestation of them in a variety of ways. But let's add one more for a godly mother. An emphasis on that which is of the spiritual. A primary emphasis in that way. And let's begin at the top of that slide by noting this. Every one of us know that there must be and there are priorities in life. We may not admit it, but every one of us have priorities. What is most important to me? What is most important to you? Is it the service of the Lord? Or does that come at number two or three or six or maybe even further down the list? You and I can answer that question for ourselves. It may be hard for others to answer it for us because we may give a pretense that's not really the way it is. But you and I know well you can't pretend to be a good mother. You just can't. It's a a 24-hour-a-day job. What you really are will show through without any difficulty, and it'll do so pretty quickly. That just can't be something that's faked. And yet, in all of that, you and I should remember that there are a number of examples in the Bible of those who were not good mothers. And by that I mean, they may have taken care of the physical attributes of their children, but they did not see to their spiritual attributes. I've listed a couple of examples for your consideration. In 1 Kings 22, we have a great deal told to us about Ahaziah and his mother. She was a wicked woman. Should we be surprised Ahaziah was a wicked king? Probably not. You see, it's amazing the influence that a godly mother can have, but it's also no doubt to be noted of the influence a wicked woman can have too. But not only Ahaziah, look at the next one I've invited you to consider. You and I noticed that there were two different Ahaziahs. One was a king in Israel, one was a king in Judah. And you'll notice... Both were wicked. And both mothers were also the same. By this point, I hope you can see, aren't we thankful for some examples that are much higher and better than this? Examples of godly mothers with a spiritual emphasis. May I share with you 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now you and I know well about the statement connected to the mother of Timothy. Timothy, of course, was a man that we first encounter in all the Bible in Acts 16. As Paul had come on the second missionary journey, he arrived at this location. And as he did so, you and I know that he encountered a man named Timothy. Timothy was much younger than Paul. But yet, fascinatingly, Timothy invited, or rather Paul invited Timothy to go with him on the continuation of this journey that was going to last for a long time. You and I should be impressed, Timothy went. He left behind his mother. He left behind his family. He left behind the other engagements with which he had been engaged at that point, and he went on that missionary journey. Is it any reason to then think that prior to that, the instruction of his mother the emphasis upon godly things, had encouraged him to be aware of the fact that when an opportunity comes to serve the God of heaven, you do it. 
Timothy's mother's name is told to us in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. It was a woman named Eunice. His grandmother was a woman named Lois. Both those mothers have left an indelible imprint on the service of the God of heaven. That man, Paul, would come to write 13 books of the New Testament at least. If he wrote Hebrews, he wrote 14. That'd be over half of them. Should we be internally thankful for the wisdom, for the spiritual emphasis of both Eunice and Lois? That kind of reflection, that kind of idea is one that should leave in us an understanding of how great a work it can be. Let's close that slide then by noting in 3 John verse number 4, there's a verse of Scripture that I would invite you to notice. It's a verse that might be easy to pass by. Maybe it seems as we read that little book of 3 John, that verse would not be a highlight. But surely in a lesson like this, it speaks volumes. Listen as I read that in our hearing. Again, 3 John, verse number 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Now, that particular verse is something that reminds us about the sweetness connected with one's children. Now, as the writer John would write that, he had in mind the spiritual children, those that were members of the church, those faithful to God. But isn't it easy to make an application of that to the blessedness connected to the faithful children of a godly woman? Today, as you come to the close of that slide with me, I hope that we've at least reminded ourselves about the sweetness, the blessing, and much that goes with the character of a godly mother. As I said at the outset of the lesson, gentlemen, I hope we've been encouraged as well. We must have spiritual emphases. We need to have the attributes as well to a degree. But isn't it true that in many ways God's prized creation of a woman is able to take these to an echelon of manifestation that is truly impressive. At this point, as we've looked at these things today, I've tried to summarize the exhibition of a strength of character, the attribute that's connected to both care and law, and the understanding that comes with the manifestation of love and the emphasis of a spiritual life. It may be that today in this assembly, that there's someone who, upon examination of your life, realizes that all is not well with your soul. You know it. It's because, perhaps, of the tutelage and the training and the instruction of your mother, that in days gone by, set before you the truth and the absolute certainty of the Word of God. Realize, please, that as mother taught those kinds of things, it wasn't her teaching by itself. It's because it was of God. This very day, if you would wish to come before the God of heaven and make things right, don't you know that God begs you to come? He pleads with you. He invites you to come. He does leave the decision to you. It could be that someone who's never become a Christian today would wish that to happen. Realize it doesn't happen just because you want it to, but as you follow that which the God of heaven has commanded... Believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, confess His name, and be baptized. Upon so doing, the Lord will add you to His church. Beyond that, though, with that walk, when you find that you've stumbled in such a way that you've begun to live a life of habitual separation from the Lord, 
you can make that right as well. The blood of Jesus will still cleanse you. It'll still wipe everything clean in terms of the guilt connected to that behavior, whatever it has been. And you can then live in a refreshingly new way in faith. Today, if we could assist in that way, that's done by way of repentance, confession, and prayer. And it'd be our honor to participate in it. Brother Cale has chosen the song of encouragement today. And if this particular time, if there would be one or more that would wish to come, we invite you to do it. While together we stand and while we sing.